Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Hey, welcome to the COB. It is the 15th of September. Great to be here with you. Um, Scotty, how was your day? It was excellent, thank you. How was yours? It was pretty good, thank you. Not so much for the local market. We had a pretty solid lead-in from the US. Granted, we did see pretty positive performance for the ASX yesterday, but really underperforming what we saw not only on Wall Street through the overnight period, but also some regional markets. I suppose the Nikkei, Japanese markets, were the exception to the rule. But, you know, we had great data dump coming from China, the Shanghai Composite up by about half a percent, where the XJO, um, you know, closed pretty much at the lows of the day, down by about a tenth of one percent. Yeah, it was disappointing, but uh, it wasn't the end of the world. Uh, One thing that I'm going to point out, you mentioned the other Chinese data that came out. So we saw a hat trick of of data beats. So industrial output, fixed asset investment and retail sales all firmer than what the markets were expecting. But the Aussie dollar went like a high jumper. It was, uh, it was up uh, two thirds of a percent at one point. And that is a real weight on the, uh, on the local market. So uh, throw that in and we had a big drag from the banks as well, which was a little bit surprising. Uh, we see a lot of optimism about uh, vaccines and the like, which would normally go and support economic activity, but our banking sector would not go and play ball. And uh, you wanna know a reason why we're uh, not up there with the United States when it turns to market performance. Not only the size of our tech sector here, but the banks are just a massive weight on the index for the time being. Yeah, and Rio was off by one and a half percent as well. Just taking a look around some of the other sectors, uh, which was in contrast to you know some of the other big miners, particularly in the gold space. You've got to say, but there was selling, yeah, across the tech space, across the telcos. Um, it was pretty pronounced across the energy sector as well as the consumer staples. So, you know, there weren't really. Um, any huge places to hide, although interesting to note that the A-REITs did quite well today as well. Yeah, so it, it is interesting, but there is an argument out there as well that Australia is, the, is a, a safe haven in the Asian region. So when Chinese uh, economy is performing well, that maybe goes and benefits those markets that are surrounded, uh, surrounded China, not so much ourselves. So after we saw that data, it was really pronounced that we went from being up around about 0.2, a 0.3% into negative territory. The Aussie dollar was much firmer. But I just wonder whether potentially when we see better data out of China, yes, it's our major trading partner, but let's be honest, it's most nations' major trading partner. So it was really interesting to see that, that market reaction after the data. Yeah, okay, so we also had the RBA minutes now. Um... And I will mention that ANZ's actually revised its China GDP forecast in the wake of that Chinese data dump. And just to get ahead of ourselves, but we will be speaking with ANZ about that one in the morning. So looking forward to that. Um, But yeah, back to the RBA. So low interest rates as far as the eye could see. Bit of disappointment out there that we didn't get, I don't know, more. What are we expecting from the Reserve Bank? Um, You know, we had the statement, said what they had to say, didn't really flesh it out in great detail. Yeah, the RBA has to be dragged kicking and screaming to do anything. And it's been the way of the world uh, since the last decade, to be honest. Uh, 
particularly under the leadership of, uh, of Governor Lowe. Uh, really uh, reactionary central bank, and today was no different. was a little bit strange to see that uh, the line repeated that it was examining ways to further support the recovery, but then not elaborate on that in what is a much more expanded document. Caught a few people off guard. Uh, the Aussie dollar got a bit of a bounce out of that as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, really strange that uh, you know, the RBA is still reluctant to go and do whatever it can do uh, to go and support the recovery. You know, if there's, uh, if there's any chance to go and test the boundary of uh, what's possible, I think now is the time to go and do it. In your opinion, so we spoke with Warren Hogan from EQ Economics and he said the RBA is doing exactly what it should be doing right now. He wasn't uh, disappointed at all by the lack of detail coming through from the RBA. Um, so do you think that we will see any change, significant change in rhetoric coming from the RBA? I mean, if you think about it, we're sort of getting toward the end of September. Like, When will be the next opportunity for the RBA to really flesh out potentially some of those other monetary policy tools that they could employ? Well, it still has an easing bias in its statement, so that is still there. So it has gone and acknowledged that there is, you know, the balance of risks are towards more easing. Uh, we have the uh, the latest update of a uh, forecast coming through in November at the uh, the quarterly statement of monetary policy. Uh, I suspect that if there's going to be a chance it will be then uh, the economic recovery, whilst it's running basically in line or slightly better than what the bank's initial forecasts were. Uh, I just don't see why you were not going to go and put the foot down. We know that there's going to be a lot of fiscal responsibility. We know the onus is on fiscal authorities to go and do it. But the RBA needs to go and make it as cheap as possible to go and support that recovery. So I'm just talking about, you no, know, go and test the, uh, test the limit so you can go and reduce the, uh, the cash rate down. It will really be a meaningless task when it comes to the cash rate because it's already trading there in the market. But why not go and reduce the yield curve target for three years out to 10 basis points rather than 25 where it is at the moment? That will be transferred through to the private sector and to uh, to the federal government. The bank must also do things to go and support semis, state governments. There's a lot of impetus being put on these authorities to go and build infrastructure. That's going to cost money. They're going to have to borrow. So to me, the bank is not out of ammunition. It just needs to go and show the willingness to go and support that. It needs to be helping functionality of fiscal policy. That's its role moving forward. Okay, so longer dated semi-government debt, infrastructure projects, and that's that growth spending. That component of the fiscal uh, policy measures that you know we're talking about are needed to get uh, this economy through this recession and uh, out looking pretty good on the other side. So we will see. Um, interesting that Warren Hogan was saying, you know, now's the time to also think outside the box. You know, just put money in people's pockets. And he referenced what happened in Britain with uh, people getting vouchers to go out and eat, go out and eat. And I think there's probably a lot of people, uh, lower income people, of course, that will say, yeah. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> well, you get a lot of my opinions. So I'm going to ask you a question. So what do you think about it? My personal view is that that creates a lot of extra additional paperwork and a lot of administration costs, which really won't be beneficial. I can see all the benefits, but it just seems the administration side of it. What's, what's your take as to that? Um, I think that you're probably right when it comes to administration. So why not just give people a check, let them spend it how they want to spend it. Hallelujah. I've not been hanging out with you for too long, but that's genuinely Boom. how I feel. I mean, you shouldn't be picking as well where people would prefer to spend their money, yeah. you know? Yep, exactly right. No, I, I like a, a pub meal, like the better, better than most, <laughs> yeah. trust me, but I don't need a, I don't need a government to go and cut Well, it's almost picking winners as well, right? Like, yeah. why wouldn't it be for retailers or why wouldn't it be for nail salons or anything else? It is like, I've been playing devil's advocate uh, you know, about this uh, you know, debate with tax cuts and, uh, and, and basically permanently increasing job seeker, uh, just to go and gauge the temperature to what the idea is out there. And not a single person who I've gone and asked that question of so far, and it's been quite a few, uh, has said that job seekers should be repealed back and the job cuts, or the income tax yep. cuts should be uh, no, introduced as planned, uh, which is, I find really interesting 
Uh, we're now less than three weeks out from the budget. I think in three weeks' time tonight, uh, Josh Friedman will be stepping up to, right. the, uh, to the plate. So it'll be really interesting to see what this federal government does when it comes to supporting the household sector moving forward. Okay, so budget is one that we're going to be talking about. The next debate we've got to have, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe, is this whole um, notion that we're going to look to gas to get us out of this pandemic. So the government's announcement today that gas for growth, um, yeah, that's the next debate. We'll, uh, we'll let our listeners know when that's going to happen. Got to brush up. Okay. So let's get to equities, back to equities. We had Steve Johnson from Forager. So he's saying revenue isn't anything. Of course, he's a value investor. If you'd like to listen to that interview, it will no doubt contain some stock picks. You can do so by the show notes. We could also, um, well, we may as well get to the stock of the day. Why don't we? Avita Therapeutics, it was up by 1.8% today. It's a regenerative medicine company. It is um, doing a pretty significant study that's assessing the use of its resell or resell system to help with repigmentation. So um, David Kosh, Koshy, as he is of course known, sat down with two expert guests today. They hashed out Avita Therapeutics and here's what they had to say, starting with Mark Moreland from Team Invest. Even if their treatment is fantastic, and they've got FDA approval for in the US for some some of their products, uh, the uh, resale one, I think, yeah. and so on. So it has it obviously has is effective, but you've still got to run it as a business. So yeah. whether or not the management, uh, who have obviously been good scientists and so on, can actually now turn this into a business that will give yeah. a long term return to shareholders, who knows? Yeah, you know, we yeah, have no yeah. idea. So at the moment, the company's market cap is about half a billion, right? Um, and its sales are 20, 21 million dollars a year. It's gross, right. and then they're losing sixty-one million at the moment. So uh, they're a long way away from being profitable. Um, yeah. So it's very early. So for me, it would be uh, it would be an ex- a speculative right. uh, one if you were going to do it. As a business, uh, Mark's exactly right. Half a billion dollar market cap. Shares took off in large part, I think, from a share consolidation a couple of years ago, but equally more recently, some good positive news. In the more recent past, the shares have actually dived pretty meaningfully um, as they went to the US NASDAQ in theory to try and raise profile and raise money. Um, shares have actually fallen since then, so make of that what you will. I desperately hope this one's successful, but it is, by definition, speculative, as Mark rightly pointed out. Is it more likely to win than its competitors? Is it going to have a sustainable product and sustainable revenue and profits? Nobody knows. We can all hope, we can all speculate, we can all gamble. Those are fine things. That's what you're doing. If you want to go and throw your two bob on, on the leader rather than down at the track, then knock yourself out. But you can't invest in this sort of company with what it does currently. And that was Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool finishing the thoughts there you on sure Avita. You sure it wasn't Motley Crew? <laughs> yeah, I know. I won't live that one down. Okay. Uh, so I think what the consensus was there uh, was that it was too specky. So I don't think it's going to be going in the fund, Scotty. Yeah. Limit short. No, no. Of course, not but that hypothetical, of course. Of course, of course. So tonight we've got the FOMC meeting kicking off. Uh, we've got, what else was it out tonight in the US? I think industrial production. Yeah, industrial production. Industrial production. So you know, pretty, uh, pretty important when it comes to particularly the manufacturing sector there. So we've seen some pretty punchy PMI uh, readings of late. So let's see if it flows through sentiment into real life uh, activity. Uh, also uh, in the UK, we get some uh, climate figures. From, uh, from the UK. So always interesting to go and see what's going on. 
gauging the labor market recovery. Of course, you've got to go and look beneath the hood in so many of these data releases at the moment because we have so many different layers, impacts of you know, government you know, classifications and how it's defined as who's unemployment and who's not. So it is quite difficult, but uh, I gather there'll be still a lot of people paying attention, particularly what's going on with Brexit at the moment over there. Uh, lots of crazy, uh, crazy notions going through Parliament again. It's, uh, yeah, it's one to watch. Okay, we also tonight have one of those state-based manufacturing surveys, I think, out as well. And then tomorrow here at 10, we get the HIA new home sales report coming through for August, as well as the Westpac leading index. So that's one that looks at the likely economic conditions into the future. It's a tough one. The, the pace of economic uh, growth relative to trend looking three to nine months yeah. in the future. So basically, if it comes at, uh, at negative uh, five, uh, you're looking at a, a actual growth rate of minus 7.5% because trends around about uh, 25 2.75% in normal circumstances. So always interesting to look. New home sales, I suspect they'll be absolutely bid to the moon. We know that people are rushing out there using the yeah. home builder uh, to go and subsidize uh, their latest uh, housing ventures. So uh, look, it's been a pretty tough uh, trot when it comes to new home sales. So I think uh, no, a bit of uh, no help there, particularly with what's going on with the population and not growing as quickly as possible is probably welcome news at this point. Yeah, well, we saw that um, housing price data coming through for the quarter from the ABS today. And look, uh, I think the doomsday scenarios when it comes to house prices is not coming to fruition. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing because of the impact that it has on the wealth effect and everything else besides. So look, looking for some silver linings in this situation. Um, I mentioned earlier that uh, ANZ has lifted its GDP forecast for China. And we'll be speaking with Betty Wang about that one. She's a senior China economist at 11.40 a.m. Prior to that, we'll be talking oil and gas with Sol Kavanick. He is the Credit Suisse energy analyst. And so not just talking about OPEC, but we'll get his thoughts on this plan from the federal government to really use gas as a long-term um, yeah, growth engine for the company. I guess, excuse the pun in a roundabout way. Uh, later in the day, we'll be speaking about renewables. So that ties in with that with Chris Halliwell. He's head of markets at Renewable Energy Hub. And uh, Ben Clark from TMS Capital will round out the day. And he always gives us a couple of stock picks. We like his analysis. I hope you do too. And uh, that's probably enough from us today. What do you think? I think so. We'll do a turn. It's, can you believe it's hump day tomorrow? My goodness, the, uh, the, work, the work just goes so quickly. The week is now almost halfway through, but I'm looking forward to it. Plenty to go and digest. Of course, all the focus is now starting to build to that FOMC meeting yeah. and Australia's jobs report on Thursday. So that will be the crescendo. Then Friday will probably collapse in a heap as usual and uh, enjoy the weekend. With a bit of wine. Yep, exactly right. Exactly <laughs> okay. right. That's, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So we'll see you all again on Wednesday. Look forward to it.